Welcome to SolkanaCast, two broads talking broadly about health, the physical, the emotional, the nitty-gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual and is intended for general information for educational purposes only. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Sulconicast. I'm your host, Hannah Whitevin, and with me, as always, the lovely, the blonde, the the beach babe, oh. <laughs> Lucia Holly. I love this intro. <laughs> I'll take it. Last week, taller than a tree. This week, beach babe. Beach babe. hey oh, awesome. Hi, Summer. Uh, like I said, it's this week's episode of Sulconicast, and we are focusing on gluten and glutes. Ga ga ga, gluten and glutes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get right into it. Okay, let's talk about gluten, the America's devil child, <laughs> America's ugly stepchild. Yeah, it's running around being a brat. Everyone's like, I can't have you. I'm so sensitive to you. I'm allergic to you. <laughs> you make me fat. I don't eat you anymore. And then when one person's like, hey, can you tell me what gluten is? Everyone's like, um, bread? (laughs) It's probably bread. Can I have another beer? Yeah, I'm so thirsty. (laughs) No, I only drink cider now. I make make healthy (laughs) joy Gluten, get out of here. And gluten's just like in the corner. Like weeping. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm I'm so good at holding things together. Yeah, it's a glue. It's my job. (laughs) Poor gluten. It's it's misunderstood. It's a lone crying in the corner. I know. It's a rough life for a tasty protein. Ugh, there was this great, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel. Yep. You saw that? Yeah. Well, we should link to it. Okay, yeah. We'll, we'll put a link to it on the, on the site. But uh, there was a great Jimmy Kimmel, like, on the streets thing where he basically interviewed people in the middle of a park in L.A. asking them if they eat gluten and then if they knew what gluten was. And nobody knew. <laughs> Everybody was like, uh, isn't it bread? Yeah. And no, I don't eat it. And they were like, why don't you eat it? And they're like, because I, cause it makes you fat. <laughs> so at least they were being honest. They were. They were. That it was a vanity issue. Yeah. I think one person said it was a protein. Well, hey, that's that's something. Yeah. I mean, probably one person knew and they just edited that person out. Right. They were like, well, that's not very entertaining. <laughs> this is not part of the video. No. Anyway. Anyway, so gluten. Um... I'll I'll talk about gluten. I'm gonna talk all about gluten. But Hannah, I'm curious. I'm gonna do a little Jimmy Kimmel on you. Kay. So, what do you think gluten is, and where can you find it? It's a it's a protein. Yep, it's a binding protein. Totally. Um, like where can you find it once it enters your body? Like where can you find it? Like what foods do you find it in? A lot of things. You can find it in spices. Mm. It's added later on mm-hmm. to prevent them from binding to each other, so they don't turn into a clump. Yeah. You can find it in, you can find it in in flour because it's used to like actually make the flour like stick together. Right? Yeah, when it right. when it puffs up, it helps bread rise and stay risen. Yeah, yep. You can I'll find a lot of box products because mm-hmm. same binder. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else that's naturally occurring in, besides flour. Yeah. Well, you got it. That's that's a good overview of gluten and where to find it because it is. It's in a lot of processed foods, and we'll talk about why this is the case, but the reason it's so popular to make 
breads with historically is because gluten it's a big protein and it's a big strong protein yeah um so you want that if you're making something like a bread where it's rising and there's a structure that you want it to, you want it to keep its integrity right so you don't want that bread to fall no. right right Deflate. right that would not which kind of so happens tasty. sometimes with when you try to make your own gluten-free bread at home. Exactly. Right. <laughs> it's right. like really dense. You've taken away kind of the one factor that really helps it stay risen. And like airy, right? Yep. Does that contribute to the airiness of the bread? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So gluten, the natural products that it's found in, like you said, so you were saying flour. So it's found in wheat, barley, and rye. So all those are grains. All of those you can make into flowers. You could technically make lots of things into different types of flowers, but specifically the most well-known kind of all-purpose flour, white flour, whole wheat flour, mm-hmm. all of those are going to have gluten in them. So oats are gluten-free. Oats are oats are interesting. Oats are gluten-free. They don't have gluten. It, gluten isn't part of their like internal protein structure. Right. However, due to processing where those oats have been processed, they can technically carry some wheat so for people who are extremely sensitive oh yeah there's celiac you might have to avoid them yep or get like a certain brand or right. something like that right okay. and you can and nowadays you can pretty easily find certified gluten-free yeah. oats yeah. so they're just made in a facility where there isn't gluten also being processed on the same equipment sure yeah yeah so oh, yeah man celiac that's a whole just like a a web. <laughs> it's a very one of my clo- one of my close friends is a celiac, and it just seems mm. so difficult for her because she has to avoid all things that have been processed in factories where gluten is processed, which mm. is a lot of big companies, right? And like stuff that I don't expect to have gluten in it, she has to avoid. Yeah, she can't like ever go to a potluck mm. <laughs> and enjoy herself. Yeah, and then also everyone around her is pretending they also have a gluten intolerance <laughs> well they can accidentally have something with that's touched a, a bread crumb I'm, or they purposely they're like yeah. oh i'm gluten intolerant i'm only gonna have half this bread yeah. and she's like i can't even like get near it yeah because i'll like break out and right. have like stomach issues or feel sad for like four days right exactly it's like an emotional response too it is but. yeah <sighs> anyway, at least it's like more trendy now so that she can access more foods at restaurants that are gluten free or like right. if she says she's gluten free, people know exactly at least a little bit more what that means. Exactly. Even yeah. if the trend came around because other people were like misusing her illness right. for their own gain. <laughs> no, it's, it's very interesting. Um, so I went gluten free nine years ago mm-hmm. before it was trendy at all. And I remember being so embarrassed when I'd go out to restaurants or just talk to people. People were like, I love <laughs> bread well, yeah and people were like oh so you're low carb and I was like no just no gluten right and, high carb and I would actually low gluten <laughs> yeah I was actually so embarrassed by having to say like gluten free or be anything free that it's like oh I'm I'm wheat free like just it's just the wheat and yeah people would always be like oh you're a vegetarian right you're meat free I was like no what <laughs> wheat <laughs> oh you mean meat <laughs> yeah um so for that reason just like your friend it is cool in this day and age that you can go to restaurants yeah. and they will label different foods gluten-free oh yeah or they'll they'll even say on the menu like you know ask your server for different dietary right there's that little g in the circle yeah GF, and yep. it's like okay well that one's gluten-free and right there's like gluten-free bread options a lot of places totally totally yeah it definitely is easier if you're trying to either just make that choice right or you have to you know medically make that choice right exactly so gluten it's around a lot there are a lot of things that have it in it. Yeah, what kind like of things is it about? added to besides spices? Oh, man. 
I mean, most <laughs> if you go to a grocery store and you're walking around in like the center aisles and you're looking if it's at, in a box, if you're looking at something in a box, it's been packaged. I want to say like eight out of ten times, there's probably going to be some form of wheat or gluten in it to mm. help bind. It is. It's a great. It's gluten is. It's like a sticky protein, and yeah. so if you are making crackers, you're making some sort of like a, a boxed, I don't know, like dip, something that you want to have some sort of like structural integrity or you want it to stick together. Yeah. Gluten does a really good job of that. Yeah. What about in like dairy products? Would you ever find it in yogurt or any sort of milks or anything like that? Mm, probably not. You know, you, I don't think you'd be, ever be able to go out and buy like a like a gallon of milk and be like, oh, let me let me see if there's gluten in that. But definitely dairy type products like like um like a French onion dip, something that's kind of been a little bit more processed that would be in the refrigerator section. Yeah, there's there's a chance that there would be gluten in right. that. Yeah. Do um, okay. This is a light. I'm just getting down the rabbit hole here. No, for it's a good. Sec. This is my question. Does someone who is celiac is, is gluten the kind of protein where, like, if a cow were to eat wheat, they could carry that gluten protein in their milk or in, in some way, like, carry it in their in their muscle? Like, sometimes people who are, who are sensitive to corn mm-hmm. avoid corn-fed animals right. because they tend to carry right. the same inflammatory elements of corn in their, totally. in their actual, like, milk and meat. Is that the same with gluten or is is it different because at that point it's been broken in some way yeah well i would say in the same vein that corn is not isn't naturally what a cow would be eating right if a cow is going to be like a wild cow is going to be eating grasses yeah maybe not the the corn kind of fruit itself the fruiting body of the corn um the corn plant same with wheat it's not going to be eating and chowing down on these big grains so that's going to be inflammatory for the cow because now it's having to try to break down this new kind of novel food that it hasn't been eating for years and years. And um, because of that, yeah, then that cow could be more inflamed. And if you're eating an animal that's more inflamed, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yes. That was like a tangent, <laughs> but I was just so curious about that. I was thinking about that when I was driving over today. It's yeah. Like, like, How they? far does a celiac have to go to protect themselves? Because right. it seems like it would be very difficult right. in today's world to like truly avoid gluten if it's coming through secondary sources too. But it sounds like no, it's for other reasons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. We're all good, guys. <laughs> we can all go have some burgers <sighs> without the buns. But you should really ask where they come from. <laughs> yeah. If they have a gluten-free bun replacement for always like a three-dollar upcharge. Oh man, at least three. You're like the three-dollar piece of bread. Like not okay. I just have to tell you the story that happened to me last week. I was out uh, for lunch with my mother-in-law, and she is, like, going to this nutritional therapy person or nutritionist. Or I'm not sure 100%. I think she works in, like, Chinese medicine as well. But she, anyway, so she's been going to this person. This person's been telling her, like, what to eat and what not to eat and working on her body balance. Mm-hmm. And she did a bunch of food allergy testing. testing. Sure. I don't know if it was, like, medical testing or, like... Blood testing, maybe, or... No, I don't think it was blood testing. I think she, testing? like, pushed her pushed her around a little yep, bit. Yep, yep. Um, and she said that she shouldn't... She should avoid rice mm-hmm. and gluten. 
or wheat-based products. So she's been avoiding that, telling me a lot, a lot about it. <laughs> so we're at lunch, and right before we go up to the counter, she's like, I'm going to order this burger with gluten-free bread, and I ordered a regular burger. But she forgot to mention gluten-free bread when she ordered it. Yeah. So when it came, our burgers looked the same, and I said, like, I don't think maybe that's gluten-free. So she asked the server if she could have gluten-free bread. She was like, I'm sorry, I forgot to say it when I ordered it. And the server was like, no problem. So she went get back to get the gluten-free bread and brought it out. And then a, another person came over and handed my mother-in-law a bill for $3. No. <laughs> a, like, a, like, a, like her check for like, $3. Right. And was like, you can just pay this up at front when you're ready. Jeez. And my mother-in-law was like, oh, no, I didn't want to. I didn't intend. I didn't want to. It's. I'll just eat it without the bun. Jeez. You know what's interesting? So we we call it gluten, right? Yeah. Gluten is actually an umbrella term. So it's actually when we're kind of talking about the gluten protein, quote unquote. Yeah. There are actually different proteins that we're kind of referring to. So there are kind of two main proteins: gliadins and glutenins. Okay, but that's not very sexy. It's not very sexy. I am gliadin and glutenin free. <laughs> People would be like, "What Let the hell are you referring you. to?" <laughs> um, so yeah, so we just kind of call them gluten as an overarching term. So, like we were talking about, the gluten protein helps add elasticity to doughs. To, like if you're making noodles, breads, yeah. Cakes, so when you batters, actually are like playing baking. with the the dough, that's yep. why it's sticking together, not just falling apart in your hands. Right. So um, I was gonna talk about our challenge later on, but kind of my challenge for people is if you still have wheat flour or some sort of flour with protein in it in your cupboards, what you can do to kind of look at the gluten content is like mix up a little bit of. Uh, flour with some water make like a little paste or almost like a little a small amount of dough and then split that into two and with one of the halves start to knead it start to kind of move it around and work it for like five minutes and the other one just leave it alone yeah and then if you were to bake those the one that you needed would rise would rise and would stay together and the one that you didn't need would kind of just it wouldn't melt. It would be more like a cookie. It would be more like a cookie, yeah. exactly. And that's, that's why, why that's why you knead it so much before you make like a bread and you let it rise and stuff right. like that. And that's where something like um like a conventional muffin, like a normal muffin recipe or something like a crumb cake, they tell you don't stir the batter too yeah, much. Just right. stir it until it's just combined and then bake it. And that's because they don't want you to develop. They want it to fall apart. Right. They yeah. want to have that more of a crumb versus yeah, that. Yeah, got it that structure of what if bread. you took this flour and instead of mixing it with water you mix it with butter and sugar and then you just ate it with a spoon you you that should be your challenge okay great <laughs> basically make I a hope cookie you can dough do it. and then eat it yes. brown sugar butter flour spoon chocolate chip cookie uh, chocolate chips for yeah, sure yeah or you could just take another chocolate chip cookie and stick it right in there hey i like this <laughs> anyway so gluten Intolerance. I won't really be talking about celiac because, yes, that's a very, um, that's more than an intolerance to gluten. But what we're kind of looking at is what is gluten? What is it doing in our bodies? And why are Can so I many people gluten intolerant? Sure, go for okay. it. Okay. We'll see. Well, Jimmy Kimmel this again. Okay. What do I think is happening with gluten in your body? This is what I've heard. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's true. That when gluten is in your intestines, the cilia along the lining of your intestines can't like the villi. Yeah, yeah. Yep. What is what is cilia? What am I thinking of? Anyway, those little finger things yep. that like are supposed to move everything along get broken down by the gluten and then it goes into your bloodstream directly. 
instead of being broken down and going to your bloodstream like it's supposed to, it goes in raw, raw, full, whole, and then your bloodstream, your body's like, ow, and it inflames it as a response. Yeah, It's like meth. (laughs) (laughs) Crystal meth just comes out your skin. Just like gluten. (laughs) Sweating gluten. This is the second time officially in eight episodes that I've referenced crystal meth. Well, I'm so sorry. You know, you're just dropping facts. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, I, I love that description. Is that, it? Is it pretty good? It's pretty good. Okay. Woo! You got it. Working on it. Yeah. So gluten is, what I like to tell people, gluten is basically, because people will totally come in to me or be like, what the heck? Why is gluten so, like, gluten-free, gluten intolerant? It's like, why is that such a, it's, why is it so trendy? Right. The thing is, gluten is basically... And it's okay. It's a couple of different proteins, but they're pretty darn similar. Gluten is basically a big protein molecule. So when there's a big protein molecule, if our bodies have a hard time breaking that down, then we're more likely going to have some gluten intolerance just because that's a big old protein to break down. Right. So if, if we have kind of an underactive digestive system, if we have digestive woes, even if you don't noticeably have digestive discomfort, doesn't mean that you might not still have low stomach acidity or um, you know kind of an inappropriate balance of gut flora both of which all of which can lead to less breakdown of proteins in general yeah and then especially less breakdown of a a protein that's just harder to break down because it's bigger it's going to be bio individual which is why the gluten intolerance thing people you need to kind of play around taking it in and out of your diet to see how you react some people, when they take gluten out of their diet, if they're taking that out and they're really starting a protocol to help heal their gut, increase stomach acid, sometimes they can bring it back in, or they bring it in once in a blue moon, you know, right. as a treat here and there, and they feel okay. And they're fine. Yeah. yeah. But it's kind of a catch-22, because if you were like, oh, my gut flora is really great, and I can break down gluten, and then you just started eating gluten all the time, exactly, it w- your gut flora would not be as strong anymore, because right. you wouldn't have the same intake of whatever other things you were eating before that helped you right. maintain better gut flora. And there So in general, it's like most people are probably gluten intolerant if they're eating a lot of gluten. <laughs> in general, it's harder to digest. So if right. we can take out something that's hard to digest and we don't miss it too much or we're able to kind of replace it in certain ways with other foods that are just as satisfying, yeah. why not? But if you're Oprah, <laughs> I love <laughs> bread <laughs> i've eaten bread every day and i still lost weight mm-hmm. but if you're oprah you can't take it out you just gotta do something else right so is there a such thing as like a lactate for gluten i'm like shocked that there's not there is there something there is very different um things being developed and i don't remember the name of i was sent something a few months ago um but there are enzymes dietary enzymes that can help break down that structure and you can also again you can work on increasing the acidity of your stomach sure we actually need to have stomachs that are pretty darn acidic more coffee (laughs) Uh, less coffee damn it my coffee's so acidic (laughs) no i'm drinking coffee right now more bitter foods more foods that stimulate gastric like parsley parsley um digestive bitters what yeah what's that it's like like bitters that you can get in a drink. Oh. You know, like in like a cocktail. Yeah. I yeah. just have to drink a cocktail? You can Lucia, just- you should have said. <laughs> the Girl. key to success is drink a cocktail. Start your day off with a cocktail. Uh, and that gluten won't be crying in the corner. But really, could you throw some bitters into your soda water and then and be like adding to your gut 
health yes so that's stop really i love to do that that's something that i have people do before meals so like five minutes before you sit down to lunch you would put a few drops of digestive bitters into some water drink that what's the difference between digestive bitters and regular bitters or just are they the same thing but we call them regular bitters because it'd be weird to say digestive (laughs) bitters when you're making a cocktail they're i mean they're going to be different blends of different bitter herbs so there's going to be some variety just depending on different brands or if someone makes them um, and they're going for a certain flavor profile. But yeah, digestive bitters, you're really basically buying them more so for their uh, therapeutic use. Yeah. So just more bitter foods, more bitter greens, getting in, you know, salads, leafy greens, dandelion, arugula, kale, arugula all okay. that stuff. All cool. that's really great for increasing stuff. Rocket? Yes, rocket. I love that. A little British. Rocket. Yeah, British for arugula. Anywho, so we can always, most of us can really work to improve the function of our digestive system and that really starts with the stomach itself and making sure it's acidic enough to break down any foods and bacteria and pathogens that might be coming in especially gluten big protein so if we don't have that appropriate breakdown what happens is that that gluten will travel from our stomach into our small intestine yeah and if it isn't broken down fully into kind of amino acids and peptides then that larger protein molecule over time will lead to some gut irritation exactly what you were saying the villi the little kind of tendrils that are lining our um, small intestine those can become inflamed because they have this big protein molecule in there when those are inflamed they start to die down so we have um, more of a like a doorway to the bloodstream more of a smooth small intestine and what happens with that too is that the lining of our small intestine is just one cell thick, and we have these junctions between the cells, junctions that keep them tight together, make up that wall. If that wall becomes inflamed over time, those junctions can loosen. And when those loosen and we have these big protein molecule- molecules in the small intestine and they're not being broken down, those can go through the junctions into the bloodstream. Right. When that protein is in the bloodstream, our immune systems can be like, hey, what is this foreign protein in here let me mount an immune response to get it out of here hence inflammation hence inflammation hence systemic chronic inflammation inflammation is great we want acute inflammation that's what happens when we get a cut um and that cut heals and you might notice like that inflammation through like bloating swelling histamine reactions systemic inflammation is going to be, oh my gosh, there's so many different ways. Yeah, joint pain, emotional right. mood disorders, Just um, like foggy gut thinking, pain, gut pain, poop problems. Poop problems, maybe no poop problems. Maybe it's only stuff that feels like it's all up in your head. Fingernail things? Sure, yeah. <laughs> Gross hair. <laughs> Overall, you're just disgusting. <laughs> you feel kind of jacked up. Right. So people who are curious about taking out gluten, you know, it's not... It's cool because you can take out gluten and still get all the nutrients you need from other foods. So it's a food that can be pretty easy to take out once you kind of understand where to find it and what to look for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say it's people who should be especially careful are anyone who have a autoimmune condition. Right. Okay. So like that, that definitely is something I've heard before is people mm-hmm. who have like Hashimoto's or like yep. MS or yep. um, Crohn's, lupus, Crohn's, yeah, stuff that's like self-attacking. Is gluten is like one of the biggest triggers, right? Because of that, because basically the gluten and what we've been saying is that that gluten can 
be pro-inflammatory because your body's, if you're always getting gluten in, your body's always going to be mounting an immune response and there's always going to be some kind of attacks going on trying to get it out of the system. So we want to deflate that by just removing that big trigger, which is the gluten. And it's especially interesting for people who have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is the immune, autoimmune attack on your thyroid. A lot of people have that. I'm one of them. What that, with that, what, what's so interesting is that the gluten molecule is actually very similar to the thyroid gland tissue. So they look really similar. So the um. body's like, hey, let me get this gluten out. Oh, hey, those two look pretty similar. Let me also attack that, which is the thyroid. Yeah. So people who have thyroid concerns. That's like a big thing to cut. It's a big thing to be, at least be aware of. Okay. Right. So maybe we're not all celiac. <laughs> No. We're all like maybe a little bit gluten intolerant. We could we could all stand to see what it's like without it. Sure. And what life holds without wheat. <laughs> yeah. You can think of it similar to lactose intolerance. So with yeah. the lactose. Like if you wash your body with lactose, you're probably <laughs> still kind of intolerant. It's just something that's more difficult for some people to break down. Yeah. Some people who are intolerant to gluten um, find that they're more intolerant to GMO GMO sources of gluten. And that if they choose heritage, um, kind of more old-fashioned Sure, sources. like wheat as it's meant to be versus like bleached or, or, or pesticide or whatever, broken down in some other way. Right. That that can be a little bit easier on them. So some of those like heritage grains, heirloom grains could be like um, spelt or farro or camet. Oh, okay. So there's, there's playroom I'm going to be saying this a lot. It's always individual. It's going to depend on the person. There are a lot of different ways we can go about it. But in general, gluten, pro-inflammatory, take it out for a bit, see how you feel, and then go from there. Is that our challenge? It's (laughs) Or no, the challenge is to play around with the flour. Yeah, do some like, like. yeah, basically make some um, flour paste and see what happens if you need one and leave the other alone. Okay. All right. I can do that. Okay, cool. Okay, we talked about gluten. Now it's time to talk about glutes. Love talking about them glutes. Oh, it's butt chat. Hashtag butt chat. I've been waiting eight episodes for butt chat. Yay. (laughs) Oh, glutes. You're so important. Instead of being afraid of gluten, or being afraid of gluten, we'll be afraid of gluten. Yeah. But we'll embrace the glutes. Okay. Loving loving on them glutes. Yeah. Okay. So here's what I want to say about glutes. Wait, can you... Can you tell us what the glutes are? Well, anyone tell me. Know. What do you think? <laughs> Let's do Jimmy Kimmel. Okay. What are glutes? Glutes are your butt muscles. Yes. Okay. Here's another Jimmy Kimmel question for you. What's this? What is the largest muscle on your body? The gluteus maximus. There you go. Oh my god! And then so okay, but so there's the gluteus maximus and then the gluteus minimus. Yeah. So there's three muscles that make up the glutes: the gluteus maximus. Gluteus medius, gluteus medius, <laughs> that's hard to say, and gluteus minimus. Okay. We, and we're like, when we're in the gym, we talk a lot about your gluteus maximus and your gluteus me- medius. Because those two are probably going to be working more because they're larger. Well, your gluteus, your minimus will work, but it's just like you don't always focus as much on it because it's going to work if the other two are working. Mm-hmm. Or sure. At least that's been my experience is like. I don't have people who have dysfunction in their gluteus minimus only. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so like if you put put your hand on your butt. Okay. <laughs> Always. And if you the like the uh, right the back of your butt, the like the part that you think of as like just your butt. Yeah. 
that's your gluteus maximus. This is a big ass muscle. Yeah. And then if you put your hand on the side of your butt, and here you have to like, if you're standing up, you're gonna put your hand on the side of your butt, and then you're gonna turn your push your knee out, and turn your inner thigh forward. Uh huh. Then you feel your gluteus medius turn on. Okay. Or if you lay on your side and you lift one leg, yeah, you can feel that too. It's like your side butt and your back butt, right. basically. Yeah. If I'm talking about it to clients, I'm just like butt and side butt. Okay. <laughs> Both have to function in order for you to feel like successful in your movements, mm. um, and ideally they're firing at the same time. So here's the thing I want to say about the butt, the glute muscle. If you want to look at, if you look at an athlete or just like a person in general, and you are just analyzing their body in terms of athleticism or performance or possibility prefer- for performance or even just prevention of injury. The, if you'd see two people and one of them has a very like what you would consider non-muscular physique, but they have a large, well-developed butt. And I mean well-developed as in strong, mm-hmm. like raised mm-hmm. looking yeah. butt. Yeah, the muscle's been... It's yeah been grown right? right it's been used right versus next to somebody who might look like they're very developed in their quads maybe they're very developed in their upper body they look much more muscular but they have like a flat butt yeah the person with the stronger butt is going to be the better athlete regardless of maybe their lack in other areas mm. especially when it comes to just basic power output so maybe they can't do as many push-ups but if <laughs> but <laughs> But, 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 um, but they're going to have better power output in all things related to the core and the lower body. Because they're really able to engage that. I mean, it's a huge muscle. Well, cause, yeah. And because the glutes have better leverage mm-hmm. over your legs than any other muscle on your leg mm-hmm. or lower half. So really when you're engaging your butt, you're, you're, you're smarter in your ability to yeah put that effort forward yeah. in whatever move you're doing. I mean, literally think about it this way. Like imagine that your hips are a button that you want to push. Okay. And uh, you push it just with your finger, okay, versus holding a stick and standing back and pushing the button with a stick. Mm. That's going to be worse leverage to push it with a stick. So if you're standing there and you're pushing with your finger, you're using your glutes. You're, like, really activating your ability to move your midpoint of your body by just going directly from the closest muscle, the closest, largest muscle, versus trying to use your quads, which Mm. are lower down the chain, and trying to push the button with like a stick right because right. like it's lo- it's further away right or like your calf muscles even further away oh boy yeah which i see all the time by the yeah. way when people are pushing like when they're running when they're pushing a sled uh when they're just like even when they're jumping rope yeah and they're like my calves my calves are burning it's yeah. because they're trying to use their calves over their glutes oh i'm one of to those push the Hannah, button. that's me yeah you're not alone <laughs> If you were to focus on one area of your body and you were to, th- if you were to think to yourself like, okay, I have a lot of goals that I want to achieve and I'm not sure how to achieve all those goals. If you were to focus only on your glutes, just your glutes, you would see better results than if you tried to focus on multiple areas of your body that weren't your glutes. Mm-hmm. So what can you do to engage real glutes? Okay, so let's take, we have, that's coming oh, at okay, the end. Okay, okay, that's okay. our like okay. final question. <laughs> Is how to engage your uh-huh. glutes. So, like, if you're, uh, uh, this is just like to just to start your thoughts about glutes. The first thing is if you just looked at two people and you saw one that has a big butt, mm-hmm. strong butt, yeah. that person is going to be in better shape than, in better, you know, potential for athleticism and yeah. horsepower and explosiveness than the person who has stronger quads and no butt. Mm-hmm. 
you're also going to really notice it when they're doing something like a deadlift because a quad dominant person will not be able to deadlift very much weight in comparison to their squat. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So I am very glute dominant. Uh Uh-huh. But I have very – my quads, I'm like – trying to build them all the time but um so my my deadlift is like 125 pounds heavier than my back squat Mm, interesting versus an athlete we have lots of athletes at the gym who are quad dominant Mm -hmm. and their back squats is sometimes heavier or equal to their deadlift Hmm. so if the strongest muscle on your body the largest muscle on your body is your glutes something that's a glute dominated exercise like a deadlift should be you know a bigger number than your squat gotcha so that you can use those points of a comparison if you're not quite sure where you're at. If you're yeah. like, oh, am I glute dominant or quad dominant? If those are too close, if they're only a few, you know, 20 pounds apart, yeah, then, you know, you might be quad dominant. Right. That's fascinating. Uh, you'll also see, I mean, you can physically see it on people's bodies. When right. you start working out a lot, what grows first? How big are their quads? Mm. Are they gaining these large quads and their butt shape hasn't changed much? Mm-hmm. Those people are going to put on a lot of quad uh, muscle mass because they're making up for their lack of glute strength. Right. Right. Um, there's also, I was going to say, like, people who maybe are back dominant mm-hmm. in, in their pull. Uh, but you're going to see that more in, like, pain, pain-wise mm-hmm. than you would in posture. When you're saying, like, in their pull, you mean, like, if they're like doing... Like, in their like deadlift a, or like something like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if they're deadlifting off the floor and they tend to be dominant in their back, yeah. you're not going to see them growing giant back muscles in comparison to their gotcha. glutes, but you will see that they're in pain because, like, that's not a good place to be pulling from. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> people don't... Yeah. Like, people are always joking, like, lift with your back. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a joke. Uh-huh. Don't do that. <laughs> um, so no butt equals no gains. Mm. Lots of butt equals lots of gains. So butt up. Yeah, butt up. Okay. And something that I noticed like in the fitness world, like when people are trying to diagnose like butt problems is that um I, t- I talk about yeah. butt problems too. I love this. Yeah, butt issues. <laughs> but yours are like more what's coming out. Yeah. Mine's are, mine's like what, what are they doing? Yeah. yeah, what's your butt doing? <laughs> so there there are basically like two things that you see the most of when you see people who have bad glutes. Which is like one is like completely inhibited glutes, so that's pretty rare that people don't have any glute function whatsoever. What you see more of is people who have some glute function, but like incorrect patterning, mm. and their glutes are not as strong as their other muscles in their legs, like their hamstrings or their quads. So they don't fire when they should. So they like the those other muscles start to compensate. Yeah. Instead of letting that the glute muscles really fully yeah express themselves. So they can fire, but right. they don't fire because they don't need to Hmm. if that makes sense yep so you can find out what your situation is by running some little physical tests on yourself yes please yeah because you may not know like oh am i weak am i tight am i um like what's my problem right am i firing incorrectly am i firing at all yeah so you can find out if your glutes are firing with a really easy challenge this is this big challenge so this is like the the first challenge and then you can follow along all the way down this this little testing if you want this is what i do so lay on your belly and you're just going to be relaxing on your stomach and you're going to have somebody place their hand on your hamstring and if you're comfortable they can place their hand on your actual glute Mm -hmm. or if they if you don't want your hand anyone's hand on your butt you can just place their hand on your hamstring and that's a pretty good indicator so then what you're going to do is you're going to have a straight leg and 
you're going to lift your whole leg without bending at the knee. And the person is going to feel whether or not your hamstring turns on right away or if your glute turns on first. Hmm. Or sometimes if your glute turns on at all. So you might be able to just like poke around in their butt and yeah, <laughs> Whoa. feel that it's not really working. Okay. The other indicator, if you're doing this test and you feel it at all in your low back, your glute is not firing. Wow. So if you feel your low back working, your glute is not firing. Uh-huh. Butt first. But. To add a little love to that test, mm-hmm. see if your, your glutes are firing continuously or actually firing under duress. That person is going to apply slight pressure down on your hamstring to try to lower your leg, and you're going to resist. And if you cannot resist, if you sort of, like, crash to the ground, your glutes cannot fire under duress. Mm. Or they're not – maybe they weren't firing at all, and now you can see that. Right. Um, Or if you can resist pretty well, then your glutes are on, and you're doing pretty good. Awesome. So that's, like, the initial test is, like, what – are my glutes working at all? Right. Then the next text, the next thing I would look at is, is your pelvis tilted? So if you stand up and you look in the mirror mm-hmm. to the side, look at the side of your body. Yeah. You either are going to have a neutral pelvis, an anterior tilt, or a posterior tilt. So anterior tilt is like a duck butt, big sway back. Gotcha. Meaning your butt is sticking way out. Sure. I tend to have an anterior tilt unless mm. I think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a posterior tilt, you're going to have that tuck under look so look you'll look flat <laughs> yep and you might even look like you're sticking your hips forward a little bit sure i will say people who have an anterior tilt are in a better position to fire their glutes than people who have a posterior tilt really yeah because huh. your glutes are still in a position where they can have leverage uh-huh. whereas when you're tucked under like that when your hip flexors are basically so so weak that your your other glute muscles are are basically doing the job of your hip flexor and your other hip muscles are doing the job of your hip flexors tucking your butt under like that um you have problems on both sides right like weak hip flexors is somewhat more problematic than tight hip flexors Mm. yeah right so if you're an anterior tilt you might have more low back like triggers but you can actually still use your glutes sure even though your hip flexors might be so tight that they're pulling your hips that they're rotating your whole pelvis right. up in that direction right so you look in the mirror if you can get your pelvis into neutral and just even set it in neutral so like tip it back and forth find your spot work mm-hmm. on that bracing that we talked about in episode whatever oh my god it all aligns i know <laughs> that, that midline episode yeah um if you if you're appropriately braced and your pelvis is still not in neutral then you have to go back to square one and you got to start working on some pelvic stability issues if you are neutral and you can maintain neutral, then that's the position you should use every time you move mm-hmm. to fix your glutes. Okay, so that's step two. Step three, do you have any abdominal firing? Can you use your core? Mm. So you can lay on your back, raise your legs up in the air, and slowly lower them down. Oh boy. Are you able to maintain control all the way to the floor? Oh, boy. Or do you just collapse? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know where I fall. Yeah. Like, I literally fall. My yeah, legs literally go. collapse. So then you can, so you're like, okay, well, my abs are weak. So uh, then you can also lay on your back with your feet together like a butterfly uh-huh. and try to perform a sit-up without, without your hip flexors involved. Sure. If you can perform a sit-up and you're, like, uh, pretty strong in that way, you can perform multiple sit-ups without, without a problem, it might be that your hip flexors are trying to take over when you're doing that leg-lowering exercise. And so then you have to go back and look at why 
your hip flexor dominant. See, this is why you go to a gym. And I know. You have someone, someone else like will Hannah, because you, know? you feel like a wreck when you hear this, yeah. and then you're like, oh, but it can make sense. Yeah, and I'm okay. Fit. Yeah, and it can be fine. But um, <laughs> you know, if you can't perform a setup without using your hip flexors, then also your abdominals are are need some work. Yeah. And you can see, like, even in the top, some of the top CrossFit athletes who people might follow on Instagram or whatever, mm -hmm. there have been a few CrossFit athletes, top athletes who've gotten back injuries. Mm. And uh, even though they're super strong, you're like, how they have such strong cores, like, how is it that they are having back injuries? And most of the time, it leads back to glute dysfunction because wow. they are super, super quad dominant, super mm -hmm. strong in their quads. Right. They might even have really, really strong hamstrings because both of those two muscles are making up for their lack of glutes right. when they're doing these, like, you know, 300-pound back squats. Like, they're super fucking strong. Yeah. It's just not in the correct pattern. Right. So then when those people get those back injuries, they go back and they work on their glutes and they fix that problem. Hmm. Suddenly, they're PRing all their lifts because now their glutes are dominant, but they also have very strong quads and hamstrings. Oh, my God. So when the glute fires, it can, it can call for backup. So they've really... Um rectified the problem yes oh. okay great good Thanks. that was gross i've been waiting it's <laughs> <laughs> disgusting can't help it right i yeah. want i wish you guys could see how satisfied lucia was <laughs> after saying that <laughs> okay so your butt is broken you determine that through your testing right even if you're like okay my hip flexors are tight i've got tight quads i've got weak everything you can focus just on your glutes and give you, and it'll give you a boost. It might help you fix those other problems right. as well. So let's say you're just like you're on the glute train. You're like working on the butt. Mm. Here are some exercises you can do to get that booty pumping awesome. before you do anything else in your workout or as a supplementary exercise to grow your glutes. Bridges. Bridges. Talk about bridges. I love bridges. You can do them weighted. You can do them body weight. You can do them single leg. All of those are going to contribute to glute strength. Single leg bridges are a great way to determine if you have misfiring on one side versus mm -hmm. the other. Like, my left glute just, like, hates to fire. Hmm. So I have to really work on single leg bridges before I do any sort of athletic activity mm -hmm. to make sure I'm not only using my right leg, my right side of my body. Right. So lay on your back, plant your feet, squeeze your belly, squeeze your butt, drive your hips up to the ceiling. Gotcha. Anytime you're doing a glute exercise, if you feel it primarily in your low back, start over. Mm. If you feel it primarily in your hamstrings, start over. So people who get hamstring um, cramping when they do bridges, when they do weighted bridges, mm -hmm. I always am like, take the weight off and go back because now that the weight's there, you're using your hamstrings right. first. Right, compensating right? again. Exactly. Yeah. So you should feel it in your butt, only in your butt. But, but, but. <laughs> and then you can All start to add weight. Butt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you should be able to raise your hips as high with weight. If you can't, you have to go back. Right. Yeah. Um, single leg deadlifts. Another mm. great one to get your butt firing, but only if you do it correctly. Right. So I use kettlebells or something very light for this. Right. Bend in the leg, but hips sending back towards the heel. So you don't want your knee pushing forward when you do this. You don't want to bend your leg and sit straight down into your quads. Mm. That's the problem that people deal with a lot is mm -hmm. they just go straight into their quads. should feel it all in your glutes. So get heel heavy, all butt, all day. Kay. Single leg deadlifts. Um, banded steps or band, like shuffle steps. So if you mm. – there's these great things called the slingshot, the MB slingshot, and you can get them online and uh, – you could also kind of make your own by using a like a resistance band if you wrap it a few times 
if it's like above your knees around your legs you can sidestep you can backstep front step and what that does is just add some resistance for your medial and uh, for your medial glutes and for your uh, gluteus maximus and minimus too yeah. but it adds some resistance when you're moving your leg and forces you to get into your glute cool um, it's great feels so good love yeah. to do those before i work out so burny yep uh a strengthener for your glutes bulgarian split squats okay <laughs> just google that we'll put a link on our website yeah. explaining that might make you feel insane um back extensions hip extensions glute ham developers either on a ghd machine or you can do them on the floor as well i can link to those and then reverse hypers and you and you can you use these with a reverse hyper machine or you can like make up your own kind of like substitute machine for glute reverse hyper but essentially all of those what you're looking to do is use your glutes to make something move to make weight move or your feet move or your hips move without first firing your other muscles right so all of those things can be great to do before a workout they can be great to do after your workout. They can be great to do as part of your workout to help you control your glutes. If you have a back injury, you should be working on your glutes. If you have a hip injury, you should be working on your glutes. If you have an ankle injury, you should be working on your glutes. If your knees hurt, you should be working on your glutes. If your shoulders hurt, you should be working on your glutes. So work on your glutes. Get the They're glutes. They're so important. They are. Your challenge is to... Just try that one glute test to see if your glutes are firing automatically. Okay. Then try one glute exercise, like a bridge. Uh, bridges are great for that. Try one glute exercise and then retest. Can do. Yeah. If you can't do the test still after a glute exercise, your problem might not be a misfiring problem or right. like, a, you know, training your glutes to fire. It might be something else. Right, right. And then you can go through that whole other series of the tests if you want. Cool. Yeah. So you'll be making dough. And I'll be making bridges. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You'll be getting that booty tight. Yes. And I'll be getting that gluten right. Yeah. Oh, girl. Woo! <laughs> I'll massage some dough and you can get your booty massaged. Oh, please. Yeah. Alicia, this is our last episode of the season. Kind of tearing up. Yeah. <laughs> feeling like gluten in the corner. Oh. All alone. I'm feeling like abandoned glutes. <laughs> oh, quads yeah. get all the attention. But you know what you can do? What? Listen to old episodes and then catch us for new episodes. Oh, yeah. Coming soon. soon. Yeah. Coming soon. And we'll, we're not okay. going to leave you. We've got good stuff coming up. We love you. A lot. We forgot to revisit our challenges from last week. Oh, boy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we just want to say a big thank you to our producer, Taj Ruler. Taj. Taj was actually not born through a normal human method. She was spawned from the wing of an angel which is why she shines all the time gloriously when she walks into the room she's like an uh just emanating radiant beam of light yes she really meet her yes. and you could do so by going to see her at the brave new workshop every weekend where she performs as a as a cast member oh so good she's amazing and in her spare time she produces this little rinky dink show <laughs> we call silconic taj we love you we love you taj you're the bomb uh, thank you so much for joining us. Again, I'm I'm one of your hosts, Hannah Whitevin. And I'm your other host, Lucia Holly. That's us. Woo. Check us out on our website. 
(laughs) Yeah. Catch us on iTunes. Catch us on iTunes. Check out our shit. We love you so much. We'll see you next season. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Sultana Cast is produced by Taj Ruler. Subscribe on iTunes or visit sultanacast.libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com for full episode information. You can also visit our website at sulcanafitness.com to stay up to date on everything health and fitness. Join in on the conversation over on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sulcana CrossFit. See you there.